0: John wrote in Revelation 21, verse 22, he said, I I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, (laughs) and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There is an end to the story that we are living in, <laughs> and it is spectacular. I encourage you, if you've not read Revelation 21 and 22 lately, read it. Getting there feels excruciating. Getting there may feel exhausting, but the ending is going to make us realize that the journey, however hard it may have been, is so Worth it. Are you ready for the end? I am ready for the end. The end that is not so much a a hard stop as it is the long awaited start, the beginning uh, of, of, of eternity. It's the way things should have been from the very beginning. It's unending, uninterrupted, and unequivocally awesome. This letter of Peter's that we've been working through for for months now, it's a sort of of stimulus package (laughs) to lift our spirits, to lift the spirits of the the weary, the war-torn Christians, and spur them on towards that great day of the Lord's appearing. It's, It's a rally cry for those who have gone all in, who have shoved all the chips to the center of the table and hung their hope On Jesus Christ. They crossed the line. They traded in their allegiance to that that dark, rotting, temporal kingdom. And they stepped into the eternal kingdom of light. Does this ring a bell? If you've been with us. Peter describes them as a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his, God's own possession. And yet at the same time, they become sojourners they've become exiles in the world in which they presently find themselves. For the time being, they live in a world that's becoming increasingly foreign. You look out there and you say, is this this the same world that that I I thought I was living in before? It's more intensely opposed to the ways of its creator and and his crew. And therefore, they find it more and more difficult to coexist (laughs) And walk lockstep with, with their coworkers and their fellow students and their neighbors and their old friends and even, yes, even their family members. The environment in which they live, it, it it has some sense of familiarity. And yet, more and more and more, it just feels like a strange new world. And yet, as challenging as the days may be, the challenging is the days that we find ourselves in may be we've been called to endure. To endure, ordered to persevere, that like living testimonies of transforming, redeeming love and pro- proclaimers of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's, that's who we're called to be, endure, so that that might be made known. Peter's last few words of his letter, they're the final instructions on how to do just that, how to endure. And some of this is going to be reflective of what he's already said, but the reminders are so important and so good. In a high-stress and unfair and all-around bent world, how do Christians persevere to the end? How do we keep going, especially when things get, are getting antagonistic? Last week, Pastor Joe was here with us and so well delivered Peter's admonition to elders and leaders in the church. Now Peter turns to the rest of us. <laughs> would you look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and we'll close out the chapter this morning. And if you're able, would you stand with me in honor and respect for God's word. This is 1 Peter, again, chapter 5, verse 5. And Peter writes this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, all of you, he says now, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he gives a few greetings by Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him. I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is a Babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings. So does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. Maybe seated. When difficult times arise, it can be very easy, can it not, to be critical of the guys in charge, the people in charge, critical of our authorities. we can stand off at a distance and we can see the results of decisions that are being made out there and up there and wherever they're being made. Decisions are being made and we see the results and we see how it is messy. And some of these decisions we just flat out disagree with. If we had been in their position, boy, we would have done it differently, right? We would have done it so differently. We would have done it better. And that may or may not be true. We've experienced but that, that kind of feeling time and time again in, in recent years. We, we've been there when it comes to politics. So we've been there. We've been there when it comes to COVID issues. We've been there when it comes to border crisis. We've been there when it comes to the war in Ukraine. We've been there when it comes to uh, economics. We've been there when it comes to uh, the, 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 new, the new mindsets of what it is to be human in our world. And sometimes it's just a matter of opinion, and we could differ and still get along with each other. In other cases, it's a matter of right and wrong. It's very clear-cut, isn't it? Right and wrong, true, and what is not true. And we see all this stuff going on, and it becomes so difficult. And we can become so cynical and so hard-hearted toward anyone in leadership. It's easy for us to just become jaded with anyone who holds a position of authority, or who holds a f- position of power. And yet, we got to be careful. Peter says we got to be careful not to allow those same kind of feelings and attitudes and postures to creep in to how we view authority in God's program here in the church. Isn't it so easy? You just get cynical. You just I just hate authority. We've had people uh, a, a little while back who were getting anyone in a suit, anyone in a suit and tie that's the man I don't like the man in my last church we we wore suits when I first started there. We had people show up one Sunday and they're like i can't I can't go in there there's people in suits in there. we're not going in there. You see is it, we, we bring it we bring it here, we bring our feelings here, don't we? And God says, "No, you can't do this." God's called a people. Together, we are his church. We are the redeemed. We are the ones who are part of that eternal kingdom of light. We've talked about that over and over again as we've gone through this this letter that Peter wrote. We're the called out ones. And in this church, he has brought up leaders. And we can't have that same kind of attitude towards them. What we may live in a corrupt and deteriorating world, we can't just write off anyone who is in leadership. And Peter tells Christians that they are to be submissive to those elders over them. And this is one of the ways that we are going to persevere as a people, the church, through this tough time that we are going through. Christians persevere to the end as they stay humble. Look back at verse 5. He says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. That's not always an easy thing to do. Then he says, Close yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another. Again, not an easy thing to do, but he says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why do we have to submit? Why do we have to be humble? I'm so tired of this, so tired of people being over me, people that I don't always agree with, people who are making decisions for me. I'm tired of having that. I'm tired of having people hold me accountable, giving me grades maybe, or telling me what to do. Well, there are certainly times when we need to question the authorities over us, right? I was in one church situation where there was a leadership problem and uh, we, we knew it needed to be addressed, and yet we had other people coming and say, no, 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 you, you, don't, you never say anything against the leadership. No, you, you can't bring any charge against No. No, we need to hold our leaders accountable. There are standards that are given to us in God's word, and we need to, to hold them to that. But that doesn't mean that we don't honor them when they are meeting all those standards. This doesn't mean that we don't bring our, our, our jaded disrespect and disregard into the church and start blasting them. Now, anyone who's served in pastoral ministry, at some point or another, they have a, a congregant come up to them and, and wag that finger and say, I pay your salary. You do as I say. <laughs> those are fun. But you know there's an infection in some churches where people who have been around the block, they they begin to dishonor and disrespect and disregard the people who God has put into leadership. And, and like I said, there are there are times to question a leader's authority. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 19, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. That being said, Bring a charge against an elder if there are two or three witnesses. He says, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. We actually just recently saw this happen. I don't know if you're familiar with the village church and Matt Chandler's ministry. They recently, just, just a couple weeks ago, held Matt accountable for something he was doing. Now, it doesn't rise to the level of what so many pastors get involved in, and that just wipes them out and, and, and destroys their ministry. No, it was something much smaller, but they had the guts and the wherewithal and the conviction to hold him accountable. What a great thing. And he had to stand up there in front of the congregation, and he, he, he laid it out. This is, what, this is what I've been doing. They held him accountable and Lord willing, they'll restore him, and it'll be it'll it'll send a message to everyone. We take this seriously. This is this is God's thing here. It has to be done right. We can't let things go. But you know, when there are no reasons to think that an elder has dis- disqualified himself for leadership, well, church need, church members need to make sure that they they stay humble and respectful. Towards them. Paul said in First Thessalonians 5 12, he said, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace. Friends, this is this this thing, the the, the local church. Is to be a place of refuge. Yes, you 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 go out there and you experience all kinds of uh, I like like what Dan Shakami says, enmity and strife. There's fighting, there's there's betrayal out there, there's all sorts of things. This is where the peace is supposed to be. And so we need to be careful as we're out there interacting and, and getting so frustrated and so discouraged and and, and so Uh, raw from the abrasiveness of it that when we step into here that we recognize this is the place that is our refuge. This is God's people that he has brought together and we need to be so humble when we come here. Check your your pride at the door and be patient and loving towards one another. This is where the peace is supposed to be. Why should you stay humble? Well, a couple reasons. Uh, And they don't have to do really with with the people who are in charge. It has to do with God. That's what Peter directs our attention to. Be humble. Why? He says, because God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. If you're a proud person... I've met so many different proud people that think that God is on, you know, I've read the Bible, blah, 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 and they they start acting like God is on their side. Peter says, no, 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 no. God opposes you. He opposes the proud. If you're not approaching, especially a, a, a confrontational kind of conversation where you need to hold someone accountable, if you're coming in prideful, God is opposing you. Yes, it may be that a confrontation needs to be had, but if you're coming with a prideful spirit, you're on the wrong. God opposes the proud, and it also says he gives grace to the humble. Those who are humble, God actually provides for and takes care of. This is how we persevere to the end as God's people, the church. We stay humble. Times get tough, yes. Stress levels, they're rising. We're feeling the pressure. (laughs) Just surviving in our world is a difficult thing. It's getting increasingly intense, and that's when we need to be checking ourselves. Stay humble rather than letting our pride bend us all out of shape and lead us to get frustrated with people in authority over us. We've got to trust God's sovereignty here. He's put them in a place. How how, how do you do this? How how, how do you stay humble? How do you you keep submitting? This is certainly not an easy task. Look at verse 6. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of who? Of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Did you notice the word therefore in there? It's, It's there. The word therefore is there, and it tells us that there is a direct connection between this command and the commands that came right before it. So being subject to one's authorities and having a posture of humility towards others, that's actually, Peter says, an act of submission to God. We can stay humble and submit to our authorities, first of all, by remembering that God is the one who's really in charge here. We lose sight of that sometimes, don't we? And we see all these leaders over us, and we start to get panicky, thinking that we are in their absolute control. No, Peter says, there is a God over it all. We need to remember who's really in charge. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. He's the one who calls you to be humble. He's the one who's going to reward you for being humble. And so it doesn't matter whether or not the individuals in authority have earned your respect. We're not to submit simply because we just think they're the greatest thing that, you know, since sliced bread. Oh, God's gift. To the, oh, I just love this person so much. That's not, that's not our motivation here. It's not because they're worthy of our respect and service. Rather, just as Peter told us before in chapter 2, our humility toward others, that needs to stem from our humility towards God. This is his thing, his ship. Because he's in control, even over the people we're given to interact and yield to, that's that's why we check our pride. That's why we humbly submit. And ultimately, when we stay humble and submit to our authorities, we're actually submitting to him. But what about those people who are just so hard to submit to? how can we continue to submit and be humble? Well, we can submit and be humble to our authorities by calling upon God in prayer verse 7 we use this verse all the time for all sorts of different things God cares for you so yeah cast all of your anxieties on him and I think that's true and I think that's right and I think that's good but in this context right here he's talking about the church sometimes anxiety rises in the church why would that happen well because this is a bunch of flawed people here it's a bunch of sinners that have been redeemed by, by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is working and in, in, in transforming, bringing about their gradual sanctification. And there's going to be some bumps and bruises and, and irritations and that's going to happen. That's when we need to cast our anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. As we find it difficult to honor others, we're to seek God's help. <laughs> what a thought. Peter says, cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares. He cares for you. Yeah, he actually cares for you. Even in this world where it seems like everyone is out to get you. You get your utility bills and you look at this and you're just like, what happened here? They're after me. He cares for you. He cares for you. So trust him. Trust him. Well, yeah, I know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on. Yeah, I, I, I know I know that, but, but, but I've got real practical stuff happening here. I've got a boss at work who's just creaming me. I've got fellow students who are riding me. I've got a, a, a spouse that just, yikes, I don't think they're submitting to the Lord. <laughs> Cast your cares on him. He cares for you. I, I, I'm in a church, and, and it's not exactly the way I want it to be. Yeah, cast your anxieties on him. Stick with your church. This is how you're going to persevere to the end. I, yeah, I brought this people. It's, it's Island of Misfit Toys, I, I know. I brought them all together, and, and they are now one in Christ, and I, this is the engine that is going to get you through to the end. <laughs> we need to trust God. Staying humble while you're under God's authority. It really comes down to the issue of whether or not you trust God. We need to trust God that he knew what he was doing when he put these people here. We need to trust God that, that he'll bring justice to those who are in power. Yeah, we don't ignore the wrongs that are being done. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. But he's ultimately going to the, bring the justice when the justice needs to be brought. And he'll take care of us while we're under the authority of others. We persevere to the end by staying humble. We do that by remembering that he's the one who's really in charge. We do that by casting our cares on him through prayer. But then Peter also says, you know what? You persevere by staying on guard. You need to stay on guard. Christians persevere to the end as they stay on guard. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The path of suffering, when you're going through difficult suffering situations, that's fertile ground for sin in your life to spring up and ensnare God's people. Oh, this happens all the time. It's often when we're in the midst of a trial that, that pride and selfish thoughts start to rise up. They start to convince us that we deserve somehow to give in, to fight for our rights, to let pride swell, and us start knocking heads. That's when we're tempted to lash out at people. That's when we're tempted to think that we're right Everyone else is wrong. And we begin defying even our God-given authorities. We bring it here. Never seen people come to church, and you can tell they're they're coming, bringing all their baggage with them. Strike that. Have you ever come to church, bringing all your baggage with you, and it's led you to be abrasive? I have done that. It happened to me on the missions trip. And I had to go apologize to someone because I was wearing thin. I was getting irritated. And I snapped back very quickly and gave a cruel response. It happens. Our hearts may even tell us that, you know, sometimes we just need to give in to sin. We just need to give in because we really need a break. (laughs) <laughs> we really need a way of escape. You know, I need a little treat for myself because, you know, this is really really hard what I'm going through. So I'm going to I'm going to let loose and I'm going to cut this person up here. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to indulge in this over here because, you know, after all, God understands, doesn't he? He understands. I've had a hard day, and it can feel so easy to retaliate a little bit. Someone rubbed me the wrong way, so they're going to get it. Yet yeah, Peter warns us that in those really difficult moments, that we must be even more on guard. When those things are coming around, it's like the roaring lion coming after us. He's prowling. He's waiting. And he wants to devour you. And Peter says, resist. Stand firm in your faith. We stand guard by holding on to our faith. We stand guard by holding on to what we know And believe the stuff that actually brought us here in the first place and united us with the body of Christ, our trust in Jesus Christ and our reliance upon God. We hold on to that, and this is the way that you resist. This is the way that you stand. The the enemy comes, or the internal fleshly desires start to well up in you. You resist by holding on to your faith. Resist him. Firm in your faith, he writes. He compares it to uh, being influenced by Satan uh, in those moments as this roaring lion. He's coming after you. He's looking for his next meal, and you are on the menu. Anger, frustration, resentment. They can feel like these crushing jaws coming down on you and it can feel like there's no way of escape have you ever had the the anger swell within you and it's like you 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 almost don't want to stop it it's there and you gotta let it out roaring lion those are the jaws it's got you it's holding you until you let it come to full manifestation it wants to consume you and peter says resist it stand firm in your faith. In other words, trusting that God is in control. Yes, even if this in the heated situation you find yourself in, right then and there, God is in control and he's actually working through all of this pain for your good and his glory. I know that's a total mystery in our minds in the moment, and yet he's doing it because he is sovereign And we're called to trust him. Yeah, even in those moments, cast your anxiety on him. Fight off the urge to attack other people. There's more. Peter says we need to fight the temptation to give up by holding on to what we know and believe about God and by remembering we're not alone here. Resist him, he says, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Boy, isn't it easier to feel alone in the crucible, in the trial? This is unique what I'm experiencing here. Yeah, there may be there may be someone out there who knows something of this, but you know, I'm I'm really I feel all alone right now. We feel that because things really, really hard for us. We deserve to lash out at others. We're not alone. For Christians, the Christians that Peter's writing to, (laughs) every one of them was going through the crucible. We talked about what was going on in their world. Nero being in power. The ferocious persecution that was beginning to bubble up and and, and erupt onto them. In their, in their towns, in their communities, in, in the places of work, everyone was experiencing it. People may not always go through the same trials as you. Yeah, that's true. But everything go, everyone goes through something. We need to be careful not to consider our suffering to be a license to attack and hurt other people, especially each other. Unlike James Bond, you don't have a license to kill. <laughs> Christians, we persevere to the end by staying humble. And as we stay on guard, finally, Christians persevere to the end as they stay focused. They stay focused on the glorious end. This this for me is it. This is where it's at. Verse 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. (laughs) Peter ends this charge, this very difficult, challenging charge, with hope. That's actually where the letter began. I don't know if you remember. All the way back in verses 1 and 2, we began with hope. We end with hope. Fix your eyes on the glorious end after you've suffered a little while. God's already shown his goodness to you, hasn't he? He's already shown his great goodness to you in Jesus Christ, the incredible gift that we have in him, that the the unstoppable, unbeatable enemy of our sin that condemns us and says, there is no way you are good enough to go to heaven. There is no way you are good enough to ever be acceptable to God. And Jesus swoops in and completely annihilates it as he goes humbly to the cross. God's shown you his goodness. He's shown you his his power and his grace, and it is awesome. It's awesome. And you know what? There's more coming. He'll restore you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you and establish you, even though you may see no end in sight. Even though you may not know how justice will be done. I just don't see how it's going to turn. I don't see how anything good is going to come out of this. Yeah? Even though you may not know how it's going to end on a good note, God is going to lift the humble back up. Stay focused on the end. Yes? Stay focused on the end. Remember Jesus in Philippians 2 gave up everything for you and for me. And because of that, exalted above everyone else. Let me just read it here. Verse 5, Philippians 2. Have this in mind among yourselves. You need we need to be thinking about this, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't demand his rights. I'm God. You're not doing anything to me. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. What a humbling thing. (laughs) But even taking it further, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. I don't know of anything more humbling than that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As always, Christ is a Christian's ultimate example. But not only is He he our example, Paul actually takes things a step further and says that when we partner with Him and when we share in His sufferings, we'll share in His glory. You can count on that. Take it to the bank. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.11. The saying is trustworthy. You can count on it. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. That death, the dying with him, that takes place when you place your trust in him. It's what we symbolize in baptism. See, he died on the cross for our sins. We place our trust in him, and our old life is buried with him in baptism. And we are now raised to glorious new life. If you died with him, you'll also live with him. Some of you are living with him right now. If we endure, though, we will also reign with him. If there's anyone in history that you want to align yourself with, it's Jesus. (laughs) He humbled himself more than anyone else, and then he received an honor higher than anyone else will ever experience. Stay focused on the end. That's where Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. That's where he's waiting for us at the finish line. He's reigning in victory. He's holding on as well. Peter reminded us of this. Iron fist grip on our inheritance, your inheritance in Christ. He's holding on to it. No one's taken that away. It's waiting for you. And he's ready to welcome us into our glorious reward with open arms. Is that where your focus is, church? This is how you persevere to the end, with our focus firmly set on the glorious end. So Peter appropriately concludes by declaring to him, be the dominion forever and ever. But perseverance, that is tough. Especially when you have leaders over you that are making your life so frustrating They're not respectable. They're not making moral choices. They're not making sane choices. They wear us down. They sour us. We've experienced that. We've experienced that together. When we went through the COVID stuff together, we experienced that. We started to feel the the tension to be pulled apart. We looked at this stuff with, with different eyes. We disagreed on some things boy, it was so tempting to fall apart. Thank God for his kindness towards us and the, the maturity of so many in this congregation to check pride at the door and to say, you know what? I'm going to approach this with humility. I'm going to love God's people here. COVID was one thing. It's, this, this stuff isn't over. There's more that we will disagree on in the days ahead. There's more stuff that's going to come at us, prowling around, tempting us to let loose our anger and our frustration, and to give in to pride and start tearing each other to pieces. Let this be our reminder, and we will persevere to the end. Peter closes this letter. He urges us to persevere as we stay humble, as we stay on guard, as we stay focused on the end. Remember to stay humble as you remember that God is the one who's really in charge. He cast your cares on him. He cares for you. Don't forget to stay on guard while holding on to what you know and believe about God, remembering you're not the only Christian who's ever experienced suffering, hard stuff. Finally, keep your eyes on the prize. The glories end where Christ Jesus is already awaiting us. Together, let's persevere to the end. Yes? Let's pray. Lord, we we love you. We thank you. You have been good to us. You have preserved us. You've preserved this, this particular church through many years and many seasons of difficulty. I've seen a few of them in the short time that I've been here. And you have been so good and so glorious, and so, Lord, I pray that you've received great glory from what has happened here. And Lord, I pray that in the days ahead, days that may be very difficult, may be very trying, and may tempt us to even start turning on each other, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and that the work that Christ has done in us might be seen a bit more for how amazing it is that. He has transformed our hearts with with your spirit within us that when we should be lashing out at each other, when we should be tearing each other apart, Lord, we give grace and we forgive and we approach each other with a spirit of humility. And everyone looks at that and they go, What? And we say, That's Jesus. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you for being with us, caring for us in the days that we have uh, left here. But Lord, we thank you so much that it is not going to last forever. And there is great, great stuff for us ahead. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.